The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Mrs. Nolan, and you can find Bruce on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You stole my intro. You absolutely just stole it. Just hijacked. I've been hijacked. It's the Mrs. Nolan show. You can't dim a star, baby. You can't dim a star. Is is that that what's happening now? Yes. You're just taking it over. You're just... This is like when we sing in the car and you say that I'm your backup singer. That's exactly what's exactly, happening. Exactly, right exactly. We could take a poll, you know. I don't let the I... listeners decide. No, I'm past. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Welcome. Thanks for joining me tonight, babe. This is not going the way I said it was going to go. <laughs> no. I'm not joining you. You're joining me. Oh, okay. All right. So today's episode. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. <clears throat> so today's episode of the Bruce exclusive is about leveling up and the reason why i decided to bring on my lovely and talented wife is because she has some things that she can contribute to this conversation as leveling up but what we're going to do is we're going to go to emails today because i specifically made a call to action about leveling up and specifically i wanted to talk about what you learned this year about the consumption of football and about fandom and about things like that. So I reached out to my listeners and I said, okay, guys, hit me with your emails. Let me know. I also got some other stuff intertwined in that. So we're going to go through all that stuff. And then we're going to talk to Mrs. Nolan about her own leveling up this year. And then later on this off season, we're going to come back and I'm going to tell you what I learned this season. But we're going to start with an email from Trevor. And Trevor says, hey, Bruce, Last pod of yours, you mentioned that you wanted listeners to submit what they learned this season. So I thought I'd reach out to you and give you mine. Heads up, this got longer than I intended. Please feel free to just read it if you'd like. First off, 
I learned the different personnel packages on offense, 11, 12, 21, which really wasn't too much to learn. However, it was great to figure out what all those meant. Next, I found it very fascinating that the way you can really analyze running back play much more in depth than just yards per carry. I mean, I knew box numbers mattered, but looking at how often certain RBs get carries in certain situations was definitely something that I'll think about moving forward. I'm sure I learned a lot more than what I said in this email so far, but the biggest takeaway I got from your pod specifically this season had very little to do about football. When you mentioned the difference between a hobby and an addiction, I quickly realized that perhaps my insane fandom of the Bills needed to be altered. Losses ruined days, perhaps weeks, depending on the situation, and I would genuinely be in an awful mood following big losses. Listening to your pod, it made me realize I can take the good without taking the bad. Now, I still get salty after losses and can be rather passionate during games, but rarely has it affected me for more than just the rest of the day following the loss. It's made football more enjoyable because the prospect of being miserable just isn't there. For that, thank you for calling out what it was. It was a good reality check and made me realize that there are way too many things that I can care about other than a loss. Thank you so much, Bruce. Happy New Year. I hope your family and pups are doing well. And as always, go Bills. Well, I think Mrs. Nolan can probably tell you how the family is doing and uh, the pups are doing fantastic. We uh, we had a little bit of a scare with the, with the pups recently. Um, one of the dogs had some eye issues, but he had a some some surgery and he's all good and we're happy about that. So I've got a lot of people who have talked to me about that episode, who have talked to me about the episode where I talked about football supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be consumed as a hobby, but we don't treat it like that very much. And the reason I wanted to talk to you, Mrs. Nolan, was specifically because when we were watching the Chiefs game together, um, you were as fired up perhaps as I've ever seen you. Mm -hmm. I've never seen you so fired up. In fact, for, for, a, for a Bills game. For a Bills game. This is an important caveat. So, a little background here. My wife, when she met me, was not just not a Bills fan. She was not an NFL follower at all. Mm -mm. It was just Buckeyes. Yep. That's it. Just the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's it. And she had been passionate about them for a while before we, we met. However, when we started dating... Yes, that's that's the word. <laughs> well, you know, nowadays, no, I'm, I'm old. So nowadays we have all these other things like I'm talking to this person. Courting. Like, we were courting. <laughs> yes, we were courting. Yes, we're, we're so old. Yes, we're courting. So when we started having a relationship together, yes, you were not a Bills fan at all. So no. the first thing I want to ask you is this. You have now become a pretty passionate Bills fan. In fact, I, I I checked in with you a couple days after the Chiefs game, and yeah. you're like, "I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm still mad." Yeah. Right? So you're you're very passionate now. I want to not talk about the passion right now. I want to talk about when did you say, "Oh, oh, I'm a Bills fan now." Like, and we, we all know that it was it wasn't really when you put on the magic chicken wing head. <laughs> like that wasn't it. I know some of you think that, but shocker. That was I know this it is crazy. Just so you know, that was all fictional. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't actually happen. We, I don't actually have a magic chicken wind head in my basement. At least I don't think I do. No, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, when did you look back and go, okay, now I'm a Bills fan? Like that was the first leveling up, right? That was you go from level zero to level one. And did the Bills, th Bills fan thing happen before or after the I'm an NFL follower? Was it the NFL follower first and then Bills fan? Or was it Bills fan and then NFL follower? How did that work? Well, I think Bills fan first and then NFL follower. Okay. 
Um, because when I started, it was literally just watching the Bills game with you. Semi-paying attention, but not really. Um, and that was it, you know. And then you would go on and watch the rest of the games, and I would go and do my thing. Now, we sit and we watch all the games together. Um, it's just not the Bills game. It's all the games. Um, so I definitely think I was a Bills fan before I was an actual NFL fan. Um, and the more I grew to uh, like the Bills, the more I grew, you know, to like the other teams. And as well, once I became a Bills fan, I started getting into fantasy football, which also drew me to watching more of the NFL games. Um, but to actually like pinpoint the exact time, I'm like, oh, I'm a Bills fan. I don't know what the exact moment, the exact time, but there definitely was a shift, you know, because I, like I said, I would just go in, I would watch the game with you and that was it. Forget about it. And you got upset at that time and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's not that serious. Um, I think it took me probably a good two or three years to really become a fan would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. I think the time when I started to first notice it was when Doug Marone quit. Yeah. When Doug Marone quit, I feel like you had some mama bear instincts that sort of kicked over and said, well, he quit on my team. Yeah. He quit on our team. Yeah. And that was markedly past two or three years. But that's when I first started to really notice it kind of jump up. Right. It's kind of like a Seinfeld thing. You know, when I would see him, it's, hello, Marone. You know? <laughs> hello, Jerry. I'm not very good at <laughs> the impressions. The impressions, not my thing. Well, I don't think that I don't think Jerry Seinfeld would really be an impression that anyone would really expect of yeah. you. Yeah, I think too. Um, you know the Stevie Johnson era. Like I really enjoyed watching him. He was just fire and passionate, and he was just amazing. He was hilarious, and I loved watching him as well as um, Fitzpatrick. I mean, I remember the whole fear the beard and it was, those were a couple of times that really like stuck out, like stick out in my memory now. And I was, you know, pretty invested at that time. So we're going back to the emails. Justin says, hello, my anonymous friend. With the departure <laughs> of Dable came the hearsay of Dable and McDermott butting heads. Was it Dable who really wanted to air it out, but McDermott wanted to establish the run and vice versa? To me, we may never know. and It doesn't really matter. In my opinion, McDermott has always preached a balanced offense and establishing the run to do that. But I think with the two new hires, Dorsey and Brady, it's McDermott being aware of his biases and trying to fix them. It is said that the best leaders are those who surround themselves with differing opinions. People calling for McDermott on the proverbial hot seat are missing the strides the Bills brass continue to make. Thank you for all that you do here in Bills Mafia. It doesn't go unrecognized. Yeah, I don't doubt that McDermott has his thumbprint on the offense, but I don't doubt that McDermott has his thumbprint on the defense and special teams too. People thinking that somehow Sean McDermott is meddling when in reality he's influencing are two different things. I think it's really important to establish the difference between a head coach's vision being executed and a head coach meddling. And I can't help but notice that when things go really well, then it's top-down execution of leadership. When things go poorly, then it's meddling. And so I don't doubt at all that Sean McDermott has a specific vision 
that he wants for the offense, defense, and special teams because, you know, that's what head coaches do. So I don't doubt at all that he has his fingers in the offense and the defense and the special teams, but I don't think it was really a problem until the offense wasn't performing. And when the offense wasn't performing, I openly said on this podcast that some of the things that I opined that were part of Sean McDermott's vision may not have been conducive to offensive success. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're you're butting heads. I, I don't understand why we can't operate in a space where we treat the NFL like literally any other job that anyone has ever had ever. Are you always in perfect alignment with your boss? No, you execute the vision of your boss. And if you disagree with them literally all the time, then you're probably going to want to quit. But even if you disagree with them 10% of the time, you still have a perfectly fine relationship. You still execute the vision that your boss has for you. I don't understand why this would be any different. It's like, it's got to be a hundred or zero. It can't be like 95 and that's just to be expected as far as agreement goes. So I'm with you. And I agreed. I have said before that the notion that we should be calling for Sean McDermott's head is obscene, but we move on. David says, out here in the San Francisco Bay Area, John Madden, God rest his soul, had a radio show called The Daily Madden. On it, he suggested that in overtime, they quote, just keep playing. The overtime starts with the situation with which the regular season ended. Just like the end of the first or third quarter, except it becomes first score wins. Some team will have a clear advantage most of the time, and some may say that one is fair. But rather than try to reset the game to some completely neutral situation, as we have seen, this is hard to do. Why shouldn't teams keep advantages they have earned? If you're in your opponent's end of the field, it's because you made the plays necessary to get there. An interesting effect is the logic of overtime works its way into the game naturally as time grows short. As you near the end of the game, it becomes harder and harder for the other team to respond to a score, i.e. increasingly, the next score is likely to win the game. You just reach a point where that has become a certainty. In the game against Kansas City, the overtime would have opened with Kansas City kicking to the Bills since they had just scored a field goal. Fair, because Casey was the one who had to come from behind and now the Bills would get a chance to respond. I don't hate this overall. The thing that I don't love about it is I think it changes the end of game scenarios to the point where you're going to have teams not want to be aggressive at the end of the game for fear that they don't want to lose possession. Right now, at the end of the game, teams are aggressive because they're going against the clock. If they're no longer going against the clock because they're just going to have the bell toll and they're just going to get the ball, then they're probably going to just kind of slow play the end of the game to make sure that they get it at a spot where the next score wins. So for me personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that idea. I think it's good in the fairness standpoint. I just don't necessarily think that it's really as entertaining as it probably could be. Christopher says, with Dable leaving, there's been a lot of talk about turnover on the offensive coaching staff. You can hear the talk in the background. My dog is talking about the offensive coaching staff right now. Frazier appears to be staying put, which I'm good with. I wouldn't have minded getting fresh eyes in his spot, someone maybe less set in his scheme, but Frazier's doing a good job but we do need to make changes underneath them. I am particularly thinking of defensive line coaching and even more specifically defensive ends. We put a lot of resources here when it comes to players, and I think we have ample talent, but on his show with Joe Joe Miller, John Fina criticized our ends for not seemingly to have a plan with their rushes and just trying to kind of shimmy around offensive linemen. That sounds like a coaching issue. 
Assistant D line coach Jacques Césaire had 12 and a half sacks across 125 games in 10 years playing defensive end. That sounds a lot like what he's coaching our players to do. I feel bad calling out someone so far down the tree as responsibility comes from the top. But the way the top can fix something like this is by getting the right people below him. It's really hard to know what they're being taught to do. It always is. Because I'll give you a great example. Um, when you look at players like Gregory Rousseau, Gregory Rousseau came out of college with like two pass rush moves. Like, that's it. So do you think that nobody in college ever taught him more than one pass rush move? Do you think nobody in the pros so far has ever told, taught him more than one pass rush move? What are the odds of that? More likely, he's just not good at them. And much like a pitcher is not going to unveil a pitch he's not good at in a game, it's probably the same with them. And when you have a year off of football, that becomes problematic as well. So I'm not saying that it's not a coaching issue. I'm saying it's hard to pinpoint down as being a coaching issue. Now, I would not be opposed to having a different defensive line coach aside from Eric Washington. However, we don't know for sure because if you look at Ed Oliver, he's developing just great, isn't he? Ed Oliver's developing well. We've seen him rushing with the plan. Well, that's an interior defensive lineman. Well, they're being coached by the same guy. It's not like Eric Washington and Jacques are, are coaching the defensive tackles and not the defensive ends. So it's really hard to pinpoint that. But when you see the development of players like Al Oliver, you go, okay, well, they're clearly doing it. I think offensive line was a good upgrade to Aaron Cromer as an offensive line coach. We'll get into that in a second. But it's just really hard to pinpoint down. Luke says... Bruce, I believe I have leveled up my football consumption in two ways. The first being that I have significantly decoupled my emotions from the outcome of grown men wearing costumes. That's spoken like a spoken like a true Bruce listener. Even the 13-second outcome did not bother me for more than a couple hours on Monday morning. I want to thank you for being the catalyst that started this for me. My life is better because of you. The second being that I only care about a handful of numbers anymore. These numbers are 9, 17, and 25. If these numbers sound familiar to anyone, it's because they are the point totals that put one football team up two, three, and four scores respectively. Unless some new information were to come my way, I only want the Bills to be working toward these lead totals. Anything else, like going up from 10 points to 13 points, doesn't really do it for me anymore. The NFL is turning into a track meet every Sunday, and the only way to get in control of a game is not by running the ball, but being able to stay outside your opponent's grasp as fast and as long as possible. I know this may sound trivial to some, but this was a big jump for me in terms of how I look at possessions, fourth down attempts, down in distance, and red zone defense. Hope you are well and go Bills. Luke from the ATL. Luke, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I think that with offenses being able to score at will a lot more than they ever have been in the history of the NFL, I think that staying up by multiple possessions is an important thing. I mean, sweetheart, you, you hear me talk about it all the time. Okay, why do we want to go up that? Well, it's because it's two possessions. It's because mm -hmm. it's three possessions. It's because it's four possessions. So I'm absolutely with you. We're going to do one more, and then we're going to go back. Tom says, hi, Bruce. Thanks for all the content you create, and also many thanks to your wife, 
who generously allows you to share content that is entertaining and profitable for so many, myself very much included. At least in my case, my wife has a somewhat better husband because of your wife's sacrifice. <laughs> you are so welcome. <laughs> this leads me to my point. I have benefited from your thoughts and analysis to the extent that I consume football differently than I did before. And this has been good for me and my whole family. Your recommendations that football should be fun hit home. I still get butterflies during big games, but I don't get devastated losses anymore. There's several reasons for this positive change, and some of your points of emphasis have helped. Wins are not a quarterback stat. Can I get a hear here? Hear here. Amen. You know, something Amen. We, can, we can do some cheer from the. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> I don't have to respect opinions that assert that X quarterback is better than Y because X team won a particular game over Y's team. Besides that, I don't need to care about others' opinions to a great degree in any case. I can choose how to give those things value. Your thoughts about how coaches and players can and do improve and that a lack of perfection is not grounds for disregarding the good that they have provided is good for enjoying sports, but also for enjoying all kinds of relationships. I have learned and am learning to step back from the moment and evaluate the big picture more to appreciate the true sample size and not get caught in the micro. Your use of critical thinking has been very enjoyable and helpful. It's one of the strengths of your podcast. I was not ignorant of nor totally lacking in such skills, but your regular use of them has deepened my abilities and increased my appreciation for such things. As an artist of sorts and one who enjoys art, I have transitioned from enjoying football as an art form. I love stories and sports provides many compelling stories. I love when narratives are rightfully busted. I love the unexpected. I love the skill and effort and perseverance that I often witness during sporting events. Understanding the randomness along with the imperfections of play that are inherent to football, I was able to enjoy the Titans game that we lost on the fourth down try at the end of the game. I appreciated the decision to try to win the game and accepted that the outcome was disappointing. Immediately after the playoff loss to the Chiefs, I was able to watch highlights and marvel proudly at how our offense kept making great plays. I was also able to li listen to the critical analysis during the week after and lament our failures to close out the game. But I remain confident that, as you have often reminded us, we have a good team that will try to stay together as long as it can and hopefully will run into positive, positive randomness at some point and win one or more championships. If not, I'll just enjoy the ride. And I'll have my expectations versus outcome equation in a healthy place. That's not to say I won't and don't feel pain. I do, because I do care a lot about this team and the fan base. Thanks again, Bruce. I came on board Bill's Mafia at the age of 40, and 17 years later, I am happy as ever to be a sports fan, especially of the Bills. All the best to you and yours this year and going forward. Gratefully yours, Tom. Someone who becomes a Bills fan at 40 yeah. is always really impressive to me. You know, because yeah. you became one later in life. Yeah. You didn't born and raised in this. I was not. I was not. So that's... It's really cool to hear somebody else coming in later. Do you feel that you ever have things you got to like get caught up on? Like you missed so much of Bill's history and Bill's fandom. Do you ever feel like you ever feel like you're not as much of a Bill's fan as somebody else because you came to it later in life? I don't think I'm necessarily you know not more of a Bill's fan, but I don't know. I guess I just don't know as much history, but um I don't, I don't think that means that I'm any less of a fan or a part of the fan base than somebody who's born into it. Um, I think it's kind of cool when people choose to be a part of it and not born into it. Um, I agree. I mean, obviously there's something special about being a fan since you can remember, but um, actually choosing it, I think is, I think there's something cool about it. 
You know, this brings up an interesting point. You, you're familiar with the phrase, blood is thicker than water. Yeah. Right? And this phrase is used to describe that familial bonds are tighter, mm-hmm. right, than, than non-familial bonds, than yeah. water, right? Um, I have a... I have a hot take and just uh, I'm just going to pop everybody's balloon here on this podcast. <laughs> pop everybody's um, balloon. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have been using that phrase wrong forever. Yeah. That's not actually the phrase. Okay. What is the phrase? The actual turn of phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. It actually means the exact opposite of what we've been using it for. <laughs> the blood of the covenant means that relationships and things that are bound by choice are stronger than things you were born into. So... I think it's ironic that people who choose to be fans like later in life, yeah. right? They're looked like down upon because like you don't understand we were born. I was like, no, no, you didn't even have a choice. Like you're, you were essentially brainwashed into this. When you were two, there were pictures of you wearing Bill's gear. You didn't have a choice. Right. So wh- <laughs> how, how does that make you better? Yeah. You right? didn't want to roll up into like a family gathering wearing a Patriots jersey when, right. you know, everybody else in the family has been a Bill's fan, you know, forever. You, right. you, you don't want to be that person. You get so. hot sauce directly in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I told everybody on Twitter that yeah. you were going to make chocolate yeah. with buffalo. Yeah, you weren't it. supposed to tell anybody until we did it. Why not? Because I don't want anybody else out there trying to do it first. Well, they only have like a couple days. <laughs> no, but come on. Like, does that not sound like the most delicious thing ever? I mean, I will try it. But I will tell you this. Some of the responses on Twitter were not profitable. Like, they were like, <laughs> I wouldn't buy this from you. So if we ever decide that we're going to make buffalo chocolate bars no. and we're going to sell them yeah. online, then those people don't get to have any. Okay, that's fine. But curiosity. I think people are going to do it just out of curiosity. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. Stop trying to make buffalo chocolate a thing. It's going to be a thing. Be a In thing. the shape of a buffalo wing. You're welcome, Bill's Mafia. Should we just call it Fetch? <laughs> it is so fed. It's so fed. It's so fed. Okay. Evan said, Hey, Bruce, saw your tweet, thought I'd respond. I know you've mentioned it often, but Bills fans, myself included, often consume our football in a Bills centric bubble. After Matthew Fairburn left to cover New England and Marcel left to cover Miami, I kept reading their stuff, and it helped me realize that every team has holes. Part of why I didn't get myself into a panic after the Monday Night Football lost in New England. The other way that I expanded my football consumption was actually making an effort to watch other games. After seeing how badly even good teams can play, it just continues to give me confidence in what Buffalo is doing moving forward. I said this after Josh went nuclear in the playoffs, but I'm certain it's not if but when he brings a Lombardi to Western New York. Might need some luck, like some tipped interceptions for Edmonds, but it can happen for our fan base. Yeah, I think that watching other games is a big part of it. I think that um, hyper-focus leads to lack of perspective. Mm -hmm. And we've talked this before. I think that you are able to become a better Bills fan because you've watched the other games. Yeah. And so for you, you watch other teams you'll like, you'll pick up, you'll pick a rooting interest like very Mm -hmm. on and I'll be like, are you rooting for like Green Bay? Like, yeah. Why? I don't know. I just, I don't like this other team. Like, yeah, okay, great. I really don't have logical reason. <laughs> and then for that game, you're almost like rabid for this team. You use phrases like we, and I'm like, we? Who's we? <laughs> like you just randomly decided to root for Green Bay in this game. And you're like yelling at the refs yeah. and saying that was an interception and blah, I don't, blah, Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you're, it's true fact. But because of that, you're exposed to other bad coaching decisions. You're exposed mm-hmm. to other players dropping passes, yeah. other quarterbacks making bad throws. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't make a lot of bad throws. No, but, but you know it is because you do. You Because I, I feel like a lot of times you consume media. And I mean, if I listen to Chris Collingsworth all the time, I would have Patrick Mahomes on a pedestal. And sometimes when I watch, you know, I have seen some of the other Kansas City games and it's like insert, you know, on um, Home Alone and the Home Alone Lost in New York and you have the the guy who smiles once he finds the... Oh, the concierge, Tim yeah, Curry. Yeah, the big, the once Grinch he finds like the smile. stolen credit, the big Grinch smile and you see Patrick Mahomes throw a pick and all of a sudden you just get that big Grinch smile. It's, it's, it's comforting. I know that sounds bad. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Well... So far, you have decided that you don't like Chris Collinsworth and you root against Patrick Mahomes actively. I think you pretty much just took over my podcast. <laughs> Listen, I can't help it. I didn't have a problem. And you know what? I don't... I, I'm a homer. What can I say? I'm a homer. If you pick on my team, it, it just happens. I and can't help it. you think Chris it. Collinsworth was picking on the Bills? He wasn't picking on the Bills. He didn't say anything about the Bills because he couldn't stop talking about Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, yeah, that's why. <laughs> Moving along. Nathan says, hi, Bruce. I'm trying to make this as short as possible, which means it's going to be a long email, I'm sure. So here goes. What would you say to this hypothetical? McDermott gives Dable the keys to the offense in terms of strategy and game script and heavy say in personnel that plays on game day. Bobby Johnson, who Dable has hired as the Giants offensive line coach, was in agreement with Dable on particular moves and strategy. They had the zone scheme and their choice of who plays, and in McDermott's mind, led to some very disappointing losses. Jags and Patriots game one. We went one for the red zone there. I fully realize that injuries played their part, but nonetheless, Ryan Bates on the bench and a scheme that was fitting the lineup. Do you see a scenario that it was actually Sean McDermott who made the executive decision to change the blocking scheme, run more Singletary, and ultimately improve the efficiency of the offense. Maybe even more McKenzie. Do you see a scenario where Bobby Johnson was to be fired this offseason anyway? Lack of development, lots of penalties may have been too much to bear. And the penalties are something I see as being a position coach, especially O-line, as they deal with the minutia at that level. In the playoffs, we turned up the aggressiveness, and now it looks like we have some even more aggressive, pass-happy coaches coming into offensive leadership roles. And is it safe to say the days of McDermott thinking we only need 21 points are long dead? That quote, of course, had to do with limitations of personnel more than anything, but I digress. That's me keeping it short. Thanks for the great season, Bruce. Looking forward to the next season, of course, but I'll stay tuned until then. Before I answer that, I just want to point out that you may notice that the audio on this particular podcast is a little bit different. And it's because the methods by which my microphones are set up are not designed for me to both look at my wife and also talk into the mic. It's just not set up that way. So if it sounds like it's a little bit weird, it's also because my wife has a very, very, very different speaking voice than me. And I wanted to make sure that I got the audio levels close to the same volume. And if I turn like this and talk into the mic all the time, right, then what we're going to end up with is we're going to end up with a weird volume imbalance. So that's the reason why it sounds a little bit more echoey than it normally does. Now, Bobby Johnson's contract ended after this year anyway. So I think that what's likely is McDermott said, listen, if there's a job out there for you, 
go. Because if Dable goes, you might want to go with him. Because we're not going to retain you. So that seems possible, given the fact that you haven't really gotten the development you wanted from Cody Ford. And much like Sean McDermott didn't want to hand the quarterback's coach, David Culley, to Josh Allen. They didn't want David Culley developing a quarterback. You may not have wanted to have Bobby Johnson still be trying to develop Spencer Brown. So maybe that's the possibility. So for me, I accept that hypothetical on that part, but I don't know if Sean McDermott made the executive decision to change the blocking scheme because he said we're on the same page before that ever happened. I think part of it's just trying to isolate the variable. You fiddle with things behind the scenes and then you keep fiddling and fiddling and fiddling until you find the right thing. And a lot of times, you know, you find that stuff later in the season. It's not uncommon to find stuff later in the season. So for me, I accept the hypothetical on Bobby Johnson. I'm just not sure about the rest of it. I don't really know. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me on another edition of The Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am Mrs. Nolan, and you can find Bruce on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wasn't bad. Thank you. So we've been through emails. We've talked about leveling up. Yeah. We talked about your first level up, which was from not a Bills fan to Bills fan. Right. Now we're going to talk about the second level up. Okay. We are going to finish this podcast by talking about when you became a hardcore Bills fan. When did you go from, okay, I have a rooting interest to, I I would say at this point, you root just as hard for the Bills as you do for the Buckeyes. I do. I do. You have the same emotional connection. And I think that was evident this season, this past season. Yeah. Um, I think it's, which I think we knew, but it really like solidified. Some of the moments. The Chiefs game was as animated as I've ever seen you. Yeah, that was the first time that I have almost cried. Like, I could have cried, but I sucked it back in. (laughs) No tears came out, but it it was hard. Like, this was the first game I had watched that I thought I was actually going to cry. Like, I felt sick. It was like a punch to the gut. (laughs) It was a hard one. Because I've actually cried. At a Buckeye mm-hmm. game, a Buckeye championship game. And um, yeah, so that was a tough one. The The Chiefs-Bills game was a tough one. Was that the moment or did the moment happen before then? 
I think that was the moment that I really realized how deep of a fan I am for the Bills. Um, yeah, sometimes I think, it takes a loss. Sometimes it. I mean, I I was upset over losses um, this past season, even seasons before. Like I had been. I think with each passing season, the more upset I got with a loss, especially when. You know, you can you, you it, victory is so close. Like you can picture it. You can you can see the dim light. So it's like you're almost there. Um, so every loss now, the past few seasons have 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 been harder. But um, this last game was really really hard for me. <laughs> like even the following, I, I think it took me a good three or four days to be like okay um I like it's like you wake up and it's like you're you have a hangover (laughs) like it was you're just walking around like like a zombie almost like it was it was hard you and I were going about our normal day on like Tuesday or something I was just just randomly looked over at you and you just had a sad look on your face I was like what's up and you're like I'm still upset yeah (laughs) I mean we were at the store today and we were walking by the the bakery section and everybody has, you know, all of their things out for the Super Bowl right now and they had cupcakes out and they had, you know, Bengals colors and then they have the Rams colors. And I even pointed out to you, like, you know, those should be buffalo colors. <laughs> they should be buffalo colors. They should be buffalo. Like, those should be red and blue. <laughs> um, so they're still like little reminders and it's just like, huh. You know, knock on the bakery cabinet. Excuse yeah. me, excuse me, sir. You got it wrong. You made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's been mistakes were made mistakes out of front. Mistakes were made. A mistake. Blue and red. They're like yeah. you, you had one job. Seriously, all yeah. you're supposed to do is make Super Bowl cupcakes. Yeah. Yeah. So, this last game was was pretty hard for me. I think you recovered a lot faster, um, but for me, this was one of the first games where I'm like. This one hurts. This, that one, it hurt. And I think that's one of the last things that I want to talk about. Okay. And I want to talk about the fact that I think sometimes the losses give you more emotional awareness than the wins. Mm-hmm. The losses help you evaluate where you're at. And I'm not going to go all, you know, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, hey, paradise. Put a parking <laughs> lot. But anyway. <clears throat> We're not going to go to musical. Not 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 Where's today. The chicken wing. <laughs> not today. No chicken wing today. But it's true that losses help people evaluate their emotional investments more. We've heard from multiple people today via email saying that the losses were where they got a chance to take stock in how they were feeling and how they were doing and how they were responding because it's easy when it wins. Oh, a yeah. boring win is like the least stressful thing in the entire world. It's beautiful. For me, anyway. I like a boring win. <laughs> I love boring blowout wins, right? I yeah. don't need nail biters. Yeah. Not interested. I, I'm getting too old for that, you know? Like, I'm just like, my ticker my, my, my can't ticker handle can't it. <laughs> <laughs> just, nope. Ask your doctor if you're healthy enough for Bill's football. Or buffalo chocolate. <laughs> Coming to you soon. <laughs> just had to plug it. You just had oh, to plug I'm it. sorry. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much. And thank you, Mrs. Nolan, for being here. Yeah. Uh, I would tell everybody where they can find you on social media, but you're not on social media. So I'm not. Nope. Sorry. Though I've been trying to tell you you should get a YouTube account so that you can jump into the comment section during yeah. Food for Thought. Because you're always in the other room texting me. Yeah. 
So you might as well just get in the comments section anyway. Yeah, I, I really should. Yeah, we've talked about it. Like we've talked about getting a Mrs. Nolan Instagram account, um, obviously YouTube. I don't know if I can handle Twitter. I agree you can't handle Twitter. I, I don't, I Twitter's don't think, horrible. Yeah, like I don't think... And this is coming from the guy who mutes everybody. Yeah, like I, I don't think... And I don't think I have the power of the... I don't have the muting finger. So I do? Yeah, I think I would just go crazy with my fingers and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I wake up and I'm like, wait, what did I just tweet? <laughs> I don't think I could control it. So, um, yeah, and so... But potentially, potentially an Instagram... In a YouTube, I think that coming soon. I really think that having Mrs. Nolan in the comment section would be a draw for the show. Like, I think people would show up to talk to Mrs. Nolan in the comment section. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's true. It, it actually might keep people away. <laughs> no, no, no. They could just mute you in the comment but section. That's true. I'm like, is this thing working? Why is anybody responding <laughs> to me? Tapping the mic. Excuse me. Excuse me. Is I'll this thing on? Bruce. Yeah. Can you ask them if they can if they see me? <laughs> Well, folks, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If you're somebody who doesn't enjoy maybe some of the off-season content that we do here at the Bruce Exclusive, maybe you don't enjoy having Mrs. Nolan on. Maybe you don't enjoy any of the food takes. Maybe you just don't enjoy me going through listener emails. Well, all I got to say to you is... That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Mrs. Nolan. Buffalo Rumbles. <laughs> <laughs>